On today's 22nd century episode, I spoke with Lubna from Aqua Technologies. Aqua uses artificial intelligence to develop incredible solutions to problems prevalent in the world, with a particular focus on health tech. We discussed the future of artificial intelligence, what's exciting about its possibilities, whether regulation is necessary, and discuss a use case of the technology in helping to match foster children with the most suitable foster families. So I would just like to start off with a little introduction from yourself um, and how you founded Aqua, please. Uh, I'm Luvna Boarfa, the CEO founder of Aqua Technologies. I founded Aqua in 2016 and uh, with the main goal to uh, reshape healthcare using artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've devoted like 10 years in my career before Okra in applying AI for healthcare. And then uh, with Okra, I decided I want to achieve um, a high usage. So I decided to work with pharmaceutical companies uh, and to help them use AI to bring the right drug to the right patient at the right time. Awesome. And as I do with every podcast, I'll start off with my myth question. So what's the biggest myth or misconception that people have about Okra um, and AI in general? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's great. There's a lot of myths about AI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so in terms of those myths about Okra are also uh, about AI. So first myth, I would say when people hear AI, um, they expect a system to be 100% accurate. Uh, they want to know exactly how the the AI system makes uh, uh, decisions and how it works. Uh, however, if we look to the world around us, it's an uncertain place, and we cannot expect of machines to pro- provide us more certainty than the world allows. No, for. that's fair enough. And uh, that's that's the big myth. So when you start explaining AI and you say, you know. Those are uh, very similar to us humans. It mimics the way we learn. It learns from the past and it uh, uh, provides suggestions to um, navigate the world. And um, as human beings, uh, for AI's uncertainty is the soul of this technology, which means even the raw output of an AI system today is a probability score indicating how likely something is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it never, never tell us what exactly going to happen. There is always a margin Chance of error. uncertainty. Exactly. In AI, just as in life. And that's very normal. So, and that's a really big. Uh, so, people think, how can we control this technology? How, if, it is, <laughs> if, if there is uncertainty, how can we trust it? You know, we're gonna sit in a, a self-driving car in the future. How can we uh, trust uh, if there is an error? But if this error uh, is gonna be reduced uh, by high scale from the human error, why we can just accept this uncertainty and go with it? So that's that's one of the big myths uh, in AI. Awesome. Yeah, so I guess if it's as long as the technology is better than human equivalent, then why not? Yeah, exactly. And, and there are there are a number of other myths. Uh, I would say, um, uh, for example, people talk about AI as some futuristic technology that doesn't exist and it's coming, it's going to take our jobs. And it is true, it's going to automate a lot of mundane tasks and mundane jobs 
where we, where we need to upskill people to do uh, other things, more smart things, where we need their uh, emotional intelligence, where we need more uh, aspects that the machine cannot do. But one of the, of the uh, aspects is people talking about AI like this consciousness machines that are going to take over the world and then yeah. and going to uh, you know, eliminate people from Earth. And that's, that's another very big myth, but I don't want to even go there. Fair enough, fair enough. How do we upskill the people? I think we need to, uh, especially big organizations uh, where you already have a workforce that have domain knowledge and uh, that, that are uh, really knowledgeable people, I think you should not let them go. You should upskill them in to um, uh, interpret the, the machine output, mm-hmm. the AI output, and to uh, connect with other people in the organizations or clients to translate that. So basically, um, in more interacting with the AI, as well as how we can articulate on that knowledge, because we do need the human in the loop to keep the moral values and respect the moral values and transfer that properly to the recipient, in this case a client or another internal stakeholder. Yeah. So um, Keeping that humanity kind of, of course. in text still. Yes. Yeah, and and to give you an example there, um, imagine a a doctor or a teacher. You don't want a machine um, when we have a patient with um, diagnosed with cancer, maybe phase four. You don't want a machine to be telling that message. You need to provide the evidence, and the doctor will decide finally. And also, the message to be articulated to the patients. You want a human to be delivering that and transferring that in the right way. Mm -hmm. So it's using it as a tool in a way. Of course, to augment our uh, decisions, uh, it is an augmenting tool rather than a replacing tool. Like an assistant, no way. Of course. And and there was a last uh, time in, in, in a conference where they said, if we replace the world AI, artificial intelligence, with assisted intelligence, that would make a big difference in perception okay. for people. Mm. Interesting. Just bringing the focus kind of back to you guys at Okra, could you give a little bit of insight onto the specific sectors that you guys work with and some of the problems that you guys have solved? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, we mainly work in healthcare. As I said, our, our main clients are life science companies. And um, we, uh, what we do is we combine complex data sets coming from the real world environment, coming from medical records, from claims, coming from environment, from weather, from pollution. We put it all together and then we train an AI algorithm to, to uh, answer specific questions around forecasting, for example, forecasting of prescription of specific treatments, forecasting of outcomes of patients, uh, forecasting for, uh, for sales, um, and then uh, the users of the systems, which are professionals and life science companies, they can ask the system around, what is the characteristics of patients that would respond to my treatments? Where can I find them? Where shall I uh, uh, supply my drug? Um, which uh, doctors prescribe these new treatments which are not and why they don't? So in this way, what they used to do before is go to other vendors, start new projects, one-off, they pay a lot of money for that, and they get one-off inside, and when they get it, it's already too late. Mm-hmm. But now, in real time, they can ask a system a question in natural, simple way, and they can answer. And not just an answer for today, also forecasting for the future. But the most important thing that our clients really like is the reasons. It's 
not just what's going to happen, but why? Why are those patients not going to respond to my treatments? Okay. So we built at Okra a very strong explainability engine on top of our AI that can explain the results of this, this machine in a way that a human being can do something about it. And that's not easy to do. That's, that's very, uh, very crucial. How do you get to that point? A lot of hours and great team? Or? A great team. A great team that goes every day the extra mile than the day before and just hungry to get it done. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's what makes them go for is because we want to get there, not just on the ecosystem level for life science companies, but we want at some point to reach our target, which empower each of one of us to take control of their life, telling you, this is your risk for diseases. This is the blood test you need to do. And this is the actions you, you need to do to get there. This is the doctors you should be seeing. So to make you, to empower you to take uh, charge of your yeah. health, that's what we're going to get. And everyone is, is doing the best to get there. That's very exciting. So do you, do you build a specific AI solution for each kind of different sector that you work in? Or how does it kind of work in terms of building the software? There are a lot of um, uh, similarities between the different clients. We are in the same sector in healthcare, For healthcare sure. databases. They repeat themselves. There is lots of differences. Depends on the disease area. For some diseases, we go and uh, um, it depends also on the country. What is open data in that country? Sure. What is uh, uh, what our clients buy from other uh, uh, vendors in the in data and data that we have in house. So. There is a lot of similarities, but with every client, we take the depth. We don't want to be just on the shallow sure. side. We go into the depth because what for us the most important, how we can deliver the value, how for, for also the precision of the prediction, how can we find those patients, their characteristics. And to get there, yes, we go the extra miles to include new data sets. But our systems are very scalable because once they start using it, they want more and more, and For sure. uh, and then they want to extend to another country and another country, and and that's how how it grows. Is it hard for you guys to get the data sometimes from each country though? Um, Is there like restrictions so or? Th- there are there are data with restrictions, but as we work, uh, we have a partnership with our clients. Um, we uh, we go over to the with partners. So there are data that they have. Or we have a high secure platform uh, which they can use to upload their data. So we work with data ranges from clinical trials, very secure clinical trial data to more very soft uh, and and less regulated data like sales and activity. So it, we have a range of spectrum of data, and it mostly coming from client, but um, uh, more than half is coming from uh, open data sets that we collect okay. uh, ourselves. Are they like publicly available almost then? Some of them publicly, okay. but we also aggregate and build our own corpuses and, and we can we can uh, integrate it. Depends on the disease area, of course. Fair enough. And I guess the better the data, the better the outcome of what you guys can recommend, right? Absolutely. The data quality is very important. Uh, important. Uh, the data include uh, inclusivity, so it needs to be inclusive. Sometimes just one aspect is not enough, so we do measure. We have a transparent platform. We're very transparent around uh, our accuracy, our methodology, but most importantly around um, uh, all the measures and bias in the data, inclusiveness, comprehensiveness of the data. So it's all measures we need to make our clients aware 
what is missing in the data. And that's all in line with the uh, trustworthy AI, as I'm also part of the high-level group on artificial intelligence. And those all measures we need to consider uh, to move to deployment with AI. What's your thoughts on regulating AI? Do you think that we need to have regulation or not? Or what's Mine, the boundary? It depends on what type of regulation. Okay. Um, I do believe that we do need to protect our values in Europe, mm-hmm. our competitiveness in Europe, and if there are regulations helping us to do that, yes, please. But there are a big fundamental difference between AI and regulations. Um, AI is, as I said, is this, the soul of AI is probabilities and certainty. It learns, it adapts and towards the, to get to the right direction. It's completely different uh, concept than rules. Yeah. Uh, before the fourth industrial revolution, we had the logic, the third one, which we used rule-based system. We've been using all IT systems were rule-based. But now the revolution of AI is because we don't use rules anymore. We learn from what happened. Um, so regulations, they put rules on technology, right? That will, uh, if we put rules on the learning aspects of AI, it will reduce its learning power dramatically, mm. which will result in um, a, a also decrease in robustness and accuracy. And that's exactly what we don't want because we want to pull the power. And I think it's, it's, it's uh, related to uh, our uh, society, a kind of uncertainty is stigmatized in our society. It's a sign of kind of humility that we don't have that confidence but embracing uncertainty, uh, not just in humans, but in machines, can help us really go uh, um, far ahead into changing and meeting the world's biggest challenges. So I don't believe in a causal relationship between uh, technology, in this case AI, and policy. The interaction between the two, between what's happening in society and what's driven by technology, we cannot predict it. I know your second question is about the future, but the best visionary for, of us cannot predict how AI will change our society. We can see how we can, what we can do today with the tools that we have, but how this interaction will be? Will AI change our society for the better or the worse? We cannot say, but what we can do is we can plan how to embrace uncertainty and how we can drive this technology in the right direction, step for step, yeah. once a time. Yeah. So, and that's, I think, uh, what we should uh, be doing rather than regulating. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're an expert um, on the EU Commission, right? For artificial intelligence. Yeah. What's their take on AI to solve business challenges? Where do they sort of see it fitting in? to business? Um, so the, we have a mission uh, at the Head of Expert Group to maximize the benefits and minimize the risks. Okay. We are, I would say, united in diversity. We have people from different sectors of businesses, from healthcare, from automotive, from uh, general IT. And we have people from the consumer side, protecting consumer values in Europe. We have uh, experts from the research, 
we have different types of experts and we are um, working hard to get into a consensus around ethical guidelines. We're very close. Uh, we just, the draft uh, guidelines were published in December and now we're, the final draft is going to be published soon. So that's a document that's summarizing a vision of many, many experts and their view. I think everyone is aware that competitiveness is the goal in Europe. We need to drive AI in Europe, but we want to do it in such a way that we foster our values uh, and we also maximize the benefits. Well, we don't want around uh, issues such as privacy, such sure. as social scoring, such as things that doesn't match with our values in Europe to be uh, uh, harmed with, with this technology. So, uh, and, and that's, that's our task. Awesome. Is there anything that excites you the most about AI and the technology? I, I, I mean, my passion about AI is the fact that um, you embrace the unknown, you just learn and adapt and grow, but having the goal, the moon, you know, shooting for the moon, that's where I want to go, yep. and, and, and learning from the past to move forward. Uh, that's that's quite inspiring to me. I don't believe in uh, that we all know everything, uh, how we get there. I uh, don't believe in simple causality that A always leads to B. I mean, sure. It's fascinating, but it's not how uh, things in real world uh, happen. Life is much more complex than that. <laughs> And uh, we should True. not. Uh, but but I think that the, the attitude of learning and growing and and adapting, that's not just my inspiration. That's my lifestyle that I'm striving for. I'm striving for. Amazing. Um, I'd love to touch on one of the use cases that you guys have recently developed. Yes. Um, specifically working with foster children. That's um, true. could you kind of explore a little bit more about that? Um, and I'd love to know how you guys have been able to work with AI in terms of the emotional aspect of foster of foster care as well? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't mention that work. The work we did on uh, foster care um, was um, similar to our work in healthcare. It's about human outcomes. Okay. Healthcare outcomes, it's similar to social outcomes. So in healthcare we look, is this patient responding to this treatment? In foster care, we look: is this child responding to displacement? Yeah. So um, our task, our mission in foster care was: how can we maximize the stability of children in care, uh, in placement? Because we saw evidence: if we can uh, maximize stability, the children have a better future. So we use historical data to learn from good and bad examples, and then to build a system that can first match, say which matching, uh, bef before uh, placement, and then it can tell us during the placements, predicts the, 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 the stability, okay. how likely this placement will go uh, two months, five months, one year, or how likely it will break. And that information is used to empower the social worker to prioritize where they need to put energy. So they get a, uh, uh, suggestions which placements they need to, to visit, which children, which families, and how they can support them. The explainability was also very key. Why the system flags this is a high-risk placement? Yeah. Why? Because we see this child 
um, just released from a very hard breakdown and placed in a rush in a family that they never had foster care children before. Yeah. That's right. That gives a big alarm for the system, and that's this placement. This family needs a lot of support. So here, what you can see, the outcome is right. We select an outcome is about stability for children. Okay. The second thing, which is important in foster care and social care and healthcare, looking into the past is important. We need to learn from the past. It's an evidence-based industry, so using historical data makes sense. And the third aspect, we are empowering a person. We're not automating. We're empowering the social worker with with knowledge they didn't have before, yeah. so that they can do their job better. So this is the three main principles for me. If we follow them, we can get AI to the right place without regulation. Just yeah. three months. Choose the right outcomes. Use historical data only when it is necessary and don't bypass people. Empower them. This is the three component. If we make sure in a mechanism this is respected and this is driven, then we can ensure AI is applied in the right way. Of course, we still need to look into the specifics of bias in the data, transparency of, of, the, of the assessment. We need to, to explain the results because it's powerful. When you explain it, you empower the person. You do not just tell them, do this. Tell them, do this. You know why? Because this and this and this. That makes sense. Explainability is important. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. It makes them adhere to it. It makes them take action with full confidence. And, and the way they go with confidence to see the patient or the child in care, with that confidence they can help. When people are empowered, they can do a lot. When they are not, it's always a question mark, how, how can yeah. they reach there? And what is the success rate of the kind of foster children that you guys are placing and how are you kind of determining that rate? What's the data you guys are sort of gathering historically and also kind of presently? So the, the, the assessment based on the historical data, so we can predict um, good cases like stability cases with high accuracy. I think it in uh, close to the 90s, uh, if I remember well. And uh, but there is always margin. As I told you, there is always margin of uncertainty. For sure. There is margin of error, and by accepting that error, we can empower the people. If we say no, we want 100%, we cannot implement AI there. It's high accuracy for prediction. Uh, we put our thresholds high, so we make sure we flag all the, uh, the, the cases that need intervening, even if we will flag few cases that actually doesn't require mm-hmm. a, a visit. But in that case, this is how we choose. It's okay, we can put resources extra there, but we want every child that is in, uh, in a risk of breakdown to get help. Um, so yeah, we flag cases that are need in, uh, to be um, quickly um, intervened, and cases where uh, we feel that they are at risk, but we cannot see enough things in the data. Yeah. So we need we, we flag this as yellow cases, and then we have green cases. Don't worry about those. High evidence that this is going well. So this is how how basically it works. And even with the green cases, I imagine there's still a slight element of uncertainty, right? Either it, it may yeah. all the data that you can gather and every, all the evidence that you can kind of get from the child and from the parents that is that the child's going to live with. It's, it's never we're never going to get to a world where it's going to be completely perfect, right? So yeah, this it's was never going to be perfect. I mean, as I said, 
the world is uncertain. Yeah. You cannot expect machines to give you more certainty. I mean, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Just look <laughs> at the know, last few years. We, yeah, we yeah. Accept it from uh, not even from humans. I mean, yeah. Look, what is the power of us humans? What is the power? The power that we are smiling, that we are laughing every day, and we're happy is because we have this amazing ability to um, to face every day which is uncertain day with a big uh, curiosity and optimism and we are not we're not saying tomorrow I'm gonna die yeah. we say tomorrow yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have a great day oh. right so uh, and that's our power and our capability to learn and grow and 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 move on that's and that's exactly what we want to do with AI with AI systems we don't want them to be uh, some controlled and, and systems that are following rules and that will create this culture of fear and and um, and a lack of innovation and that's why I think it's really important for us humans policymakers doctors lawyers uh, uh, programmers to embrace this uncertainty in ourselves in humans and in machines mm. How um how are you guys funded to do all the awesome work you're doing? What's uh, we're uh, funded uh, by a private investor, and nice. he's uh, uh, coming from the social uh, foster care sector. That's why we stretched to foster care. He was inspired awesome. by the work we did in uh, health outcomes, and he said, "Can we do the same for foster care?" It always takes someone who's visionary to drive yeah, yeah. Uh, to drive uh, some, and, and the law for the work. I think uh, uh, work is love made visible, and if foster care is his love, and that's that's how uh, uh, we uh, we came actually we apply uh, AI to foster care. I think it's a really great use case of AI. Um, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I can't agree more. <laughs> Fair enough. But I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, I'd love to do a quick little quick fire round with you. Mm-hmm. Um, just quite interesting. So, cowpole or neurofen? Uh, cowpole. GSK or AstraZeneca? Oh, no, you can't. I was wondering if that one would be a bit. No, no, no. Um, Both. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okra or plantain? Okra. Okay. Uh, sweet or savory? Um, savory. Meat eater or vegan? Um, meat or, or what? Meat eat like eating meat or like being vegan? Yeah. Do you have something in between? <laughs> Could you like vegetarian or uh, vegetarian? Yeah. Okay. Vegetarian. Um, Google Google or Alexa? No, if I have to choose, there I would say Alexa, but rather okay. <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah. Um, fair enough. And then final quick part one. Um, Louis Pasteur or Anurin Bevan? Um, it's a hard one. I'd go for Louis. Uh, why? Just that interest? Um, for vaccines, right? Yeah. Um, I think um, yeah, vaccine been saving uh, us from uh, population from from death basically, and uh, also if you look now to the emerging markets, uh, what uh, what. Uh, Difference is made. Uh, yeah, difference is made, and also what can still be uh, be done there. So I think it's uh, it's been a huge achievement. Uh, so. Uh, mm-hmm. Any anything you're reading at the moment that you'd recommend anyone listening to 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 read? Uh, you read, uh, I would say um, the Prophet of Khalid Gibran. Um, okay. 
for it's about embracing uncertainty and it's very very small poetry but it's very very nice I love it before going to bed <laughs> mm, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look um, and then finally where do you see the future of artificial intelligence and opera not just in the next 10 years but over the next 100 years <laughs> so sort of thinking quite long term yeah it's quite hard but and I, I would answer, I would say that's not the right question to ask because I'm an AI person. Okay. <laughs> I would Fair enough. say, um, as, as, uh, there is, even the, the best visionaries among us cannot say where this technology is going. Uh, but what we can say is, what is the world's biggest challenges we want to meet and drive this technology there? Uh, and uh, for me, um, what is important, there's a lot of things that we can tackle with this technology. Healthcare is my passion, but there are other uh, education to drive yeah. um, education to drive climate change. Um, there are to drive equality, uh, even to drive connectivity and, and um, connecting people. But we need to choose the right outcomes. I think that's where we should be asking what is those uh, uh, outcomes we want to get, what is our goal, and deploy the technology there. Uh, for Okra, uh, I see that uh, in the next five years we will be um, uh, scaling uh, with life uh, science um, businesses and we will be working with other stakeholders in the ecosystem and scaling across countries, across many disease areas. But I also see ourselves um, creating um, hubs where we can test this technology to, to, to bring benefits for the patient directly. Uh, after five years, uh, I think that will be random uh, <laughs> 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 predictions. It's like lucky dip almost. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much, um, Lula. That's super interesting. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having this. No worries. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on the iTunes store. If you're listening on an Apple device, it helps us out massively. And subscribe to hear about all the other exciting new emerging technologies we're going to uncover next. If you've got any examples of any companies or technology that we should be speaking to, then also please let me know. I'll leave all the ways of getting in contact with me down in the show notes. Thanks. <laughs>